Okay, I'm here to give you a, a quick introduction, uh, introductory thought. So just want to point you to a couple of scriptures here. One in Luke chapter 3, verse 6, it says, All flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's like a very comforting verse. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And the other verse is Proverbs 18, and this is uh, verse 12, Proverbs 18, verse 12, um, says this, let me get there, Proverbs 18, verse 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but before honor is humility. It's amazing. Now, I think you could, there's a couple of things that God is like communicating to us here that are very important. Uh, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I come to that verse always when I'm thinking about like, does everyone get an opportunity to see the way, the truth, and the life? And if that verse is to be believed, and it is for us, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. I could flip that verse, and that's the, the point here. I could flip that verse around and say, do I see the potential of salvation in all flesh? Is that where my heart is? Do I honor the person, no matter who that person is? Wherever I meet that person, there is an honorableness about them. Why? Because Christ made them alive. God made them alive by the breath, by his very breath in the first part of the Bible in Genesis. Adam was made a living soul. How? By the breath of God. And God, every person that I encounter has the breath of God in him and is worthy of honor. I could be high-minded, haughty, high-minded, high, hard-hearted, high-minded, thinking a lot of myself, and where would that lead to? Would it lead to salvation? Not at all. It would lead to destruction because I need to have humility in order to connect with the honor that is upon all of us. Every human being was made in the image of God and is worthy of honor. Do they know it? Do they know it? Do I know it? Do I see the salvation in the person that I'm sitting next to on the bus in my office? Are they worthy of honor? Am I humble enough to see that I have been made by God and that person next to me made by God? And, you know, uh, I don't know if pastor will go there as he did in the nine o'clock service. We know that Jesus and the disciples arrived on a shore and they were met by a man full of demons. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. This man full of demons came and fell at Jesus's feet and he saw the salvation of God. There was an honor in him, despite the crowd from hell that had 
gotten inside of him and made him like a naked, raging tomb dweller, you know, living among the dead. But there was something, there was something of the breath of God in him. There was something when Jesus showed up that brought him to his feet, brought the demon-possessed man to the feet of Jesus. There was an honor there, like, can I see that? You see, this is the, I can have disagreements, I can have disputations, I can have a lot of contention, and I can live in that. And uh, opinions are amazing. You know, God said in Genesis that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And then he created whom? Yeah, woman. That would have been amazing. You know what else he did? He gave women... He gave the woman her own mind and a voice to speak that mind because it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. It's like he had to like there had to be some relationship, some interplay going on there. That's an amazing kind of thing to think about. So there was honor in Adam. And then Eve was, uh, you know, Eve was a little bit more honorable because she wasn't made from the dust. She was made from what Adam already was. And it's amazing kind of thing to think about that. But honor, do I have honor? There's a lot. You can have disagreement, but don't enter into dishonor. It's like God wants us, God wants to draw all people to himself. They are all worthy of honor. And uh, this is, I think this is the great mystery, a little bit of insight into the mystery of the iniquity of of Lucifer, made very wonderful, very talented, but then having something inside of him that dishonored his origin. He was made by God as we are made by God. Different, different kind of being, but made just like we are. And we should never, like, look at anyone with dishonor because even as, as, as this Legion story should tell us, even someone who lives among the dead, raging, uncontrollable, has something of honor inside of him. There's the potential for salvation to be seen to its end in that. And I want to have that honor for everyone that I'm with. I want to have every face that we meet has a claim on us. That's a quote from a novel that I've read. It's every face because of the incarnation, because Jesus took on flesh and bone, every face has a claim on us. We need to see salvation. We need to honor the breath of God because God wants to bring that person home to who he really is. And so let's not live. Yeah, disagreements are going to happen. It's not good to be alone. And it's good for differences of opinion. It's amazing. Iron sharpens iron. Knives don't sharpen if there's not like some sparks there. It's good. But don't enter into any, let me, I don't want to enter into any form of dishonor. I really want to have like the attitude of Paul. And I think it's first Corinthians two or second Corinthians two, where he says, I'm purposing to know nothing among anyone except Christ and him crucified. People who have come to Jesus, recognized his mercy, received him. They are the body of Christ to me. They are one with me, all worthy of honor because they are one with me. But you know, anyone who has not chosen to receive the salvation of God and seen it and received his mercy, Christ was lifted up for them. There's a cross that I can show them. I can meet them at the cross. Christ 
crucified for the entire world so that all would come to him. He so loved the world, gave his son, Christ crucified. Christ or Christ crucified. There's only two categories of people. You are Christ to me because you're a member of the body in particular, but also Christ crucified for me was also crucified for every person that I meet. I don't want to dishonor that thought. I don't want to live. I want to live in the humility of what I've been made, the humility of what my repentance brought me to the cross and saved me by his grace through faith. And I, don't, I want to honor that and live in honor of all people. It could change. This is the way to change a city. This is the way to change a city. This is the way to change the city, is to honor all the people that we come in contact with. Okay, so that's a word of introduction for you. Thank you so much for your attention. Pastor Sturge. Okay. Uh, let's see. We'll have a moment of rejoicing together before the message. So um, let's, uh, oh, I know what I, I want to do. Uh, take a minute, have a word like a Bible verse or a word of encouragement. Get ready in your mind because I might call on you during the message. So. Like Avery, and then you can say out loud, okay? So uh, this is one, one or two minutes, so would you stand with me, please? Do you have a word in your heart? Do you have a word, Bible verse, or a word of encouragement, so share it with your neighbor? Right now you can do three 360-degree turnaround, people behind you, in front of you. Talk. Okay. All right, great. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, you may be seated. Yeah, thank you. All right, so Avery, do you have a word? What? Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians twelve nine. Christ is made perfect in our weakness. Okay, wow. Like we are weak and trust him, live by faith, and he strengthens us. Is our weakness a good thing? Huh? If it means that his strength is made perfect in my weakness, who gets glorified? He does. He did it. He did it. So weakness isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because God can use it, right? Is that correct? Yeah. What are some areas of weakness? Hey, uh, that, that, that's a good uh, tie-in to have Pastor Bailey introduce his guys to us. Do you want to just stand up, all the guys from Marlboro, Pastor Bailey? And then, okay, 
So, Pastor Bailey, your, your guys are very talkative this morning. What were they shouting out? Do you want to represent them? Okay, go ahead. I'll repeat it. Go ahead, if I can hear you. Well, yeah. Okay. Romans 8, 32. He that spared his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Okay. Is that what you guys are saying? You're, you're responsible for that group. <laughs> hey, yeah, go ahead. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Last night, just talking about what we saw, what we were a part of, and just so thankful to be connected with the church here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, uh, how about one more? How about one of the ladies? How about uh, Lizzie? Do you, Liz Robbins, you want to say something, Liz? You have a verse or something? First, First Thessalonians four, thirteen. Wow, we do not grieve as others who have no no hope regarding the death of loved ones. We grieve, but not like unbelievers; they have no hope. But we cry too, but we have hope. Right? Good word. Thank you. Wow, beautiful. Okay, service ended. <laughs> wow, 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 okay. All right, so turn to Psalm 119, verse 29, for a short outline for the message. Yeah, we had a men's seminar and uh, before the seminar in the afternoon, a small group of us got together and talked in my office, and I asked, what are some main problems that men have? And they just said, you know, we don't have any. <laughs> and so then I met with a group of women, and I asked them the same question. No. Uh, anger, anger, and uh, insecurity. So we had a great weekend. Pastor Ramir put it together. Um, I met with men beforehand. We talked about it, what problems men have. And we had anger was one of them. And um, insecurity was another. So this morning I want to Explored that a little more, and I'd like you to look at the scripture with me. And also, in your heart, make a big deal about Jesus Christ in our hearts. What God has done for us is extraordinary. Uh, it's beyond anything we could imagine. Look at this verse 29 with me, Psalm 119, 29. Remove from me 
the way of lying. Grant me your law graciously. So we have three parts there. Remove from me is number one. The way of lying, which we are, we do in different ways in our own hearts. We don't have the truth in our inner man. Psalm 51 6 says that God requires that the truth would be in the inner man, in us, in the spirit. This is why God gave us the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit goes to the deepest part of us. Their counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, like deep water, if you can imagine, like the ocean. Uh, the counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, and a man of understanding will draw it out. And, of course, the one that understands you the best is God. And the one that ministers to you is God. The one that will explore our hearts, search our heart, Psalm 103, or 139 23 and 24. Search my heart. May my meditation be acceptable to God. You know, hold that for a second. Have any of you had a meditation, and even in your own analysis of the meditation, you know it's unacceptable? Do you have any self-correction that goes on inside your heart? Yeah, is there ever a time when you kind of realize, wow, this is going nowhere. I'm not thinking right. This is, you know, not good. Not good. So what do we do with that? Maybe we pray like the psalmist. Like, may my meditation be acceptable. Well, where do you get the content for the meditation? How can the meditation go like deep water? How can my meditation go to my spirit? But by God, God puts it in you. You are deep. You are deep. Everybody here, we are deep. We may live on the surface. We may live on the surface, but actually... Our great, great need is deeper than the surface. And we see that all the time. We can talk and talk and talk, but who can draw it out? Who can go down there and draw out with understanding who we are and what we're thinking? Because I am a liar. So that's true. All men are liars, Romans 3 teaches us. Who would never lied, never lied, who? Jesus never lied, never lied. There wasn't any lie in him. First John 1 says, he is light and no darkness at all. When Christ is on the earth, this is amazing. That everything about him, very deep, very uh, everything, the service and the deep was true. 
I am the way, the truth, the life. Thank you, Lord. The person. The person that changes us. Now, we'll go back to the text here. 119.29. Remove from me the way of lying, way of lying. That's one of our problems. Number two, grant me your law. Grant me your law, thy law. So there's two different things. They are different from each other. The law, and another word for the law could be, could be doctrine, truth. It's not the letter of the law. That's not the... There is the letter of the law. I hope you understand the idea. There is the letter of the law, and then there is the spirit of the law. Let me give an example. Thou shalt not steal. Letter of the law is you shouldn't steal. In the service, don't steal. That's clear, don't steal. What's the meaning of it? When you steal... You violate your own character, your own nature. When you steal, you hurt another person. You're taking from them something important. You are not loving your neighbor. I am stealing from my neighbor. What is the law? It is love. When we love, we will not steal. We will give. We will We will. Give A bicycle is on the back porch here somewhere in somebody's neighborhood. And the bicycle is stolen. Well, did that thief care about me? Did he care about me when he stole my bicycle? Did that thief love me? Did he care about me? No, he didn't. What's the law? The law gives is got both on the service and deeper is love. So remove from me lying, and I will, I will lie about it. I need that bicycle. The guy, guy's got four bicycles. He doesn't need four bicycles. I need a bicycle. Um, it, it's his problem. Um, I, I, um, he makes a lot of money. He drives a nice car. You know, he should distribute his well. He should give me the bicycle, but I have to steal it. And and I lie. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. This is how people live. They live. But remove from me, Lord, my way of lying, rationalizing, defending, deflecting, blaming, and accusing people. And you, God, I blame you. I'm lying. I'm a liar. So remove it and grant me your doctrine. Grant me your doctrine. You go to the deep part of my heart. You teach me truth. Put truth inside me that I would be free because you said, you will know the truth and it will set you free. And I will find you. I will know you as God. You will love me. This is, uh, this is a 
short outline, and we'll look at look at it in a minute here. But number three is grant me your law. Number three is graciously. What's the meaning of that word? Just please give it to me as a gift. Invest in me. Love me. Please visit me. Visit me. Please be with me. Do this for me. Because I, I, I get in trouble with my lying. And uh, let's look at it this way. Um, it's um, many of us. Here's the natural man. And this is how he, he lives. He has, um, he has, I can make a list of things. He has his pride. He has to protect himself. He protects himself from getting hurt. He protects himself from shame. And this is what happened to Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they hid in the bush. They hid uh you know, behind some vegetation, he, where are you? God said, where are you? God, but God knows everything. What does he mean? Of course, he knows where they are geographically. But where are you? It's kind of like being with your teenage daughter. And suddenly, like, who are you? Who are you? I raise you. You little, little angel. And at the breakfast table, you notice like there's like two little horns that come out like this. You know, your children are changing and growing up and you wonder, who are you? How about amongst us? Maybe, maybe I know you, but do I know you? Right? Well, Jesus is there, but do we know Jesus? It may be he's the gardener. But no, that's Jesus. But I don't see it. That happens to us. Jacob had a dream, and when he woke up, he said, God was here, and I didn't know it. In Genesis 28. When they went back fishing, and, and the man from the shore yelled out, cast your net on the right side. And, and they did, and then Peter said to John, who is that? Like Peter, duh, like you don't know who that is? That's the Lord, John said. And, and so this picture of not recognizing and knowing is a common thing amongst us as people. Because on the surface, we can fool people. But we can't fool God. And we can live with the law on the surface, but is the law in the depths of my heart? And that's what happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it goes into your spirit and you start to enjoy it. And the truth, it sets you free and you actually end up like ministering from inside. Like John 7 says, uh, the Holy Spirit will fill you and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. 
Okay, so, but, go to back to the natural man. This is a, just a sketch of the natural man, right? That's who he is. And he has a career. Maybe that means a lot to him. He has money. That's important. He has a wife, maybe. He has children. He has friends. He has his reputation. Um, he has his successes. He has his failures. He's just a natural man, all of us. All of it. In, in all ways, there's so much there. There's so much there. And you can easily get discouraged in this life. You can easily say, what am I missing? What am I missing? I, I may be hitting all the big ones. I'm doing real good in my life. But why am I lonely? I'm hitting it. I'm making it. But why do I struggle in my relationships with people? Um, I'm, I'm doing really well, but I'm really somehow guilty about how bad a Christian I am. I'm not really that good of a Christian. I, I, on the service, I am, but deep down inside, I, I don't have. I don't have it. I, I wish I had more. And I'm glad you came to church today, this morning, so you can listen to this, because I want to speak about that. Because I really believe, I really believe that that your faith is simple, and it's real, and it's deep. Yeah, that's why Jesus came it, for all of us, that it would be real and it would be simple and it would be really deep in our lives. Thank you, God. I really do. Let's turn to the text then to Romans 6 and we'll read it <clears throat> here. I think it'll in the context of what I just said, we want to. Read these scriptures. It's from chapter 6, and we'll go from verse 14 um, as far as we can to verse 23. Might not make it, but the text is chapter 6, 14, verse 14 to verse 23, the end of the chapter. For sin shall not have dominion over you. There's some authority over sin. This is an important word in our, in our minds, this one here, sin. It's defined different ways. There's about 13 different words in our Bible for sin, like from rebellion, wickedness, uh, defilement. There are many words, and it's another, another message, but I think, I think you understand what I mean about about I need help deep inside in my heart. I want Jesus to be truthful to me deep inside in my heart. And if it's not, then I'm, I'm going to live like a sinner. I will control it. I will manage it. And people will maybe think good of me. But my sin will kill me. Because that's what sin does. At, at the end of sin is death. It begins with lust. Lust, there's two births, by the way. If you think of pregnancy, uh, a, a woman with pregnant, there, the first is the, is the, um, 
The first is the, the, the sin nature, the lust of my sin nature. That produces, um, the lust produces sin outside of God's will, missing the mark, transgressing, going beyond the limit, um, uh, doing the wrong thing, thinking the wrong way. Then when sin is finished with another pregnancy, it produces death. But it takes a time. It's a process. Lost, it kind of cooks, produces a sin. The sin cooks, produces death. So all of us, we all have to agree on this, that the sin is not my friend. It's not my friend. You might enjoy it, but it kills you. It's like, like playing around with the wrong stuff or eating a chocolate-covered poison. Or just just being playing with something that's going to kill me. So, like, we, we understand this. But here's the good news. It doesn't control me. It doesn't have dominion over me. How come? Jesus. Jesus on the cross was crucified. And my sin, nature, was crucified with him. He died to take the sin nature crucify it, and it was buried. And that nature that controls you, that nature that you give the right to it, you know, you have the right, you have the right to um, work your, your, your life by lying and being the way you are on the nat- in the natural way. You, have a, you can do that. But God loves us so much that he gave us power over sin. He paid for the penalty of the sin, and then he gave us the power over it. That's the meaning here. Look at verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. This is in a new economy. It's a new economy. It's not law. You know, when you live by law with your sin nature, it produces more sin. When you live by law with the sin nature, then it's a bondage. That's why a lot of people don't like religion. I don't, I don't like it myself. And I'm not a religious person. In my mind, in my context of what I'm saying, I'm not a particularly religious person. I'm not interested in it. But I love Jesus Christ. And the authority that we have over sin is incredible. Uh, so you don't live in sin. But you live in grace. You live in the spirit of God. You have the relationship with God as your father, and you love him. And he, love, he loves you. He loves you and I. We, we are loved by God, and then we love God. Wow, what a way to live. Look at verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. This is a misunderstanding of grace. Grace has been given to teach us to live a godly life. Titus 2, verse 12, 13. Grace is given so that I that the depths that 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 the depths of the, the Spirit of God going to the depths of your heart. That depth is uh what sets us free so we we realize that 
that living a sinful life is not the way to live, not the way to live. Now we have another way to live, and that's grace. And here, here's something I want. We're, we're Americans, and uh, we um, are kind of Western, Western thinkers. And what we often do is we have a problem, we analyze the problem, then we get the solution, step one, two, three. We apply the solution to the problem to fix it, and that's it. That's how we relate. But I want, I want to introduce something else to you. When you have a problem that's deep down inside and Christ is in your life, uh, life is a lot more than step one, two, three. It's like a father who has a problem with his teenager and the teenager has a problem with the dad and the dad just says to his son, I just want you to be with me. Hang out with me. Let's go. Can you? Would you go with me? Yeah, Dad. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And he go. He jumps in the car, and you just drive to the Chesapeake, and you get in a rowboat, and you just are out there on the water and talking a little bit, and that's all. That's all that is done. That is that like step one, two, three? No. There's something else. It's called relationship. And when God has a relationship with you, that's what happens. It's like all the time, every day, he's like with you in the boat. He actually goes with us in the boat. And we get in the boat like in Luke 8, verse 22, to go to the other side. And the disciples are learning things. And and Jesus is sleeping on the boat, and then there's a storm, and then they wake him up, and then they have this experience, and, and they start to realize that this man, this is God on our boat. This man is real. This man invited me on. This man is with me in my life. That this is, this is God is in my life. And why would he love me? Why would he care about me? Why is he with me? Cause he loves you. That's called grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Why does it happen to us? Cause he is a person. He is the way. It's not like one, two, three. Here's a solution. You've got a problem with addiction. Yeah, do these things, and yeah, come on, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got problems with lying. We have problems with defending ourselves. We got problems with accusing people as a way of life. We are vict- We are people that just easily do that. But he said, remove from me the way of lying and grant to me your law graciously. Like, maybe I could hang out. Lord, you would be with me. You know, like in that Luke 8 portion where Jesus is sleeping on the boat, we said to the men the other night that, you know, maybe he's sleeping because nobody's really interested in talking with him at the moment. Everything is fine on the boat. And and just we don't know why he's sleeping, and I'm reading into it. I'm just saying something to provoke your thought. 
I'm not saying this happened, and I don't, I'm not saying it was this way, but I want you to think of it this way. Is Jesus on your boat, and he's been sleeping for about 10 years? Is he on your boat, and he's been sleeping for 20 years? Maybe more if you use a car. Is he in the back seat snoozing? Because you're not interested, you're not talking, you're not interacting, you're not praying and saying, God, help me. Maybe he's not in the back seat, maybe he's in the trunk. Maybe you put him in the trunk. You put Jesus in the trunk because you don't really need him right now. But when you get a flat tire, you pull him out. Just like the tire is in the trunk. So Christ might be that way to you. But the result is you live on the surface of things. And then you wonder why you're not happy. Why you don't have something going on in your heart. Then we wonder why does sin have dominion over me? Why do I do these bad things and then I enjoy them and then I... I start to, you know, get sick. Why, why do I live like maybe going from one girlfriend to another and I never really get it right? I don't figure it out. I just think about, about life a certain way, the way I grew up. And God is saying, oh, no, you're, you got, there's a better life for you, a much better life for you, where sin will not have dominion over you. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not under law, but under grace. I want to. I want to just speak to your heart. I, I don't want you to feel guilty about this. I want you to understand what I'm saying and help you. We're going to finish up here. Look at verse 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey whether of sin, and you obey the sin, or of obedience unto righteousness. You're hanging out with Jesus, and he's talking to you, and you're inclined in your heart to obey him. It's an adventure when you obey him. It's an adventure when you obey Christ. It's an adventure when you start to hear from him and obey him. It's an adventure when you start to say, there's got to be more in my life. There has to be the reality of God in my heart. And I, I don't have it because I obey my sin instead of obeying him. Right? So we start to obey him. In our hearts. And I don't think you'd be here this morning unless that was in your heart. And you're doing it. You're obeying Christ. And that's our joy. That you're finding Jesus to be real for you in your heart. And I want to say, I know sometimes things don't move as fast as I would like them to. As a Christian, maybe in the beginning of my Christian life, I really wanted it to come on. Let's get going here. Come on. Change my life. Jesus, go, go ahead. Deliver me and help me and show up in the morning. When I wait, Lord, when I wake up in the morning, I want you to be standing at the end of my bed 
And I want you to be talking to me, and I want to see you and many other great things. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Something greater happened. I just started to hear. I just started to understand his nature. I started to hear in the church. I started to, it started to work in my heart. It started to happen in my life. And the same for you. Keep at it. Don't withdraw. Keep at it. Pay attention. Concentrate on this person. He is with you. Um, he won't forsake you. He's there. He answers you. He gives you his doctrine graciously. Okay? Verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Okay? You've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that teaching of grace. You obeyed it from the heart. You kind of got a little hope. Yeah, hope kind of bubbled up from deep inside. You kind of started to believe, yeah, Jesus will take care of me. Yeah, he will fill me. Yeah, I believe that. I started to obey from my heart that that doctrine that was teaching me that Christ overcame. And, you know, our sins sometimes, have you ever seen a chicken with its head cut off? I, I've, I, I've seen it in Africa. They To prepare lunch, they take, grab a chicken and they... They cut the head off and let it run. And it does run around without a head. And that's like your sin nature. It looks like it's alive. But just, just ignore it. It's going to drop. It'll drop over. It'll tumble. It's going down. How did it die? Christ at the cross took the power of sin and it was crucified. But when you see it running around, you think it's alive, it's going to control me. I don't have control over my appetites. I don't have control over my lust and my passion and those things. Just ignore them. They're going to drop because they don't have power over you. Live by faith in Christ. Obey Christ. Trust in Christ. And you're free. Then go to verse 18. Then being made free from sin, hallelujah, you became the servants of righteousness. You know what it is for a young man to look at a girl and think about her potential? A young man, think about a woman or any man looking at a woman and appreciating her and giving her honor and respecting her and her future, if one day that she's, she's to be respected and honored, we call these, they are, they are our sisters. They are honorable women that are walking around being with us in fellowship. And you have authority over your sin nature so that you are now a servant of righteousness and that young lady can feel safe around godly people and godly men. Godly men that have respect for godly women or for all women. What a way to live. 
What an honor that is, that God would give us that. And we have relationships that are healthy and pure. And then we have a life, we have a future. And then if God gave you a wife, how great that would be, that she would know that you're that kind of man that is a godly man. And you're a godly woman. What an honor that is, isn't it? And I want to make it clear. We can't do this except Christ. He does that. He does that. He gave us this family that is pure and holy and sisters and brothers and the truth in the heart, deep down in the heart. Isn't that amazing? Deep down in our life. Wow, how, how awesome is that? Then the next verse, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then when you were living like that? What effect did it have when you were coming home in a drunken stupor? What did, what good was it when you lost your $700 at the casino? What fruit did it do when you had one girlfriend after another? What good did it do you when you lost a job because of your anger or your cursing and swearing? Do we all have a past like that? We all have a sinful past that we have forgotten. Thank you, God, that you remove it from our mind and we don't dwell there. But let's admit it. We could not only have that in our past, but continue in it today, though I am a Christian living on the service, and I don't have the authority over my sin nature until I start to say to God, remove from me the way of lying. Grant to me your doctrine graciously and teach me who we are. And let me just watch that chicken fall over. And then I just walk over and I pick it. I say, lunchtime, <laughs> lunchtime. We have authority over ourselves because of God's grace through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, you just heard one message, but my heart would be that you could hear a thousand of them. Not, not me, not because of me. I don't, who cares about that? No, I know what a thousand messages can do. I know what one message can do for my life. And I know as a way of life, as you go live 10 years, 20 years, how much do I need to be fed? And and the feeding feeding is like way it's there in the heart. It says in Hebrews four twelve, the word of God is living, quick, powerful, sharp, piercing, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and the thoughts and intentions of is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of my heart. 
Uh, so I'm a butcher's son, and and I learned as a little boy in the butcher shop how to cut up meat and cut through joints, uh, deep you know bone debone chicken and cut up deer because we were in upstate New York and and um, breaking down a hind of a hind of beef and those things. And uh, the knife going through the joint and separating, and really ex- exploring the inside of an animal. And this is what God does by His Word. He compares His Word like a sharp knife that is able to pierce through the joints and marrow and is a discerner of what's going on deep. That means deep inside. We live on the surface cosmetically, generally as people, but actually with God, he goes, he goes deeper, and he wants us to know that, that he knows who we are and that what we need. And it's by messages. It's by faith. It's by instruction. It's by learning is by getting a hold of something in your heart and carrying it with you and walking by faith and realizing, yeah, I, my life has changed. My life has changed. And, you know, Jesus didn't give me a list of stuff to do. Jesus was just with me in my room, or he was with me in the car. He didn't give me a list. He just is with us. My presence will go with you. Remember, Mo- Moses said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going in Exodus 33. And the Lord said, I will go with you. And then Moses said, if you go with me, I will go. And God said, my peace will go with you. And that's okay. I, your, if your peace, peace way down in the ocean there, your peace in the heart. If I got peace, I can do it. And the outside, they're all rebel- they're rebellious people. On the outside, we're in a wilderness. On the outside, there's no water to drink. There's no, the food is a big problem. Everything on the outside got a problem with these people. These people, these Jewish people that came out of Egypt. I got a problem with them. They are, they are rebellious and they, and I'm done. And the Lord said, I will go with you. And, and he said, if you go with me, I will go. And the Lord said, I will go with you, and my peace will be with you. There it is. That's the key. In this life, you need that peace. Guys, you, because of how it goes, we just need that peace. So that's all. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? <clears throat> Jesus, we are really loving the fact that you you really know what we need and you really do speak to us personally. Maybe somebody here, you're hiding something from God. Bring it out before God. Bring it before God. Put it on the table before God in your heart. Maybe maybe there's something, some revenge, maybe hatred, maybe unforgiving spirit 
Maybe a jealousy, you can't get rid of it. Just deep down in your heart, just bring it before God and say, Lord, here it is. That's fine. How do you take it? I, I'm here. Here this is all I can do is come to you at the cross and accept your grace for my life. Forgive me. Give me grace. Give me freedom. Give me love in my heart. Give me forgiveness. Give me joy. Give me power deep in my heart. Right? For sin shall not have dominion over me. But righteousness will. And then if you're not a believer, say to Jesus today, Jesus, I believe in you. You are the answer for my life. I don't understand it. I got a lot of questions, but I'm coming through by faith. I'm asking you in my life. And show yourself to me. I, will, I, I, I want you in my life. Save me. Forgive me. I accept you, trust you, in Jesus' name. Amen.